You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky uh, coming to you ahead of Game 3. Andy, the first game at Staples Center, the first home playoff game hosted at Staples Center with fans since 2013. Yeah, Brian, we're going to get into this later in the show. I, I know that Laker fans are conscious of the fact that they have not had uh, home playoff action to get engrossed in to cheer all that I don't think they really realize just how starved they are uh later in the show I'm gonna throw out some factoids to let them know no really y'all are hungry like y'all really want this um and so we'll we'll do that in our second segment third segment we're gonna take a look at uh Wednesday we were a little preoccupied in Wednesday's show I think rightly so Andy with the results of game two uh th- these things are important but Wednesday was the 19th anniversary of one of the great Lakers playoff moments in history, which is saying something because with 17 championships, the Lakers have had a few good ones. Uh, so we'll talk about that and, and just sort of great where you were for great Lakers uh, moments. I want to uh, let you know, though, that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Reminder to sign up for the uh, Locked on Lakers YouTube channel. We got some good stuff up on there uh, about LeBron James and Thursday, Kyle Goon from the Southern California News Group. Uh, look for a clip of we have with him uh, previewing Thursday night's game. So, Andy, I think AD is a fascinating star because if you look at where he was after game one, where he said he sucked and we said he sucked, he got no disagreement. It wasn't like LeBron in those rare moments where LeBron has a bad game. There was more doubt, I think, or more questioning as to whether or not Davis would come through with the kind of game two that he had uh, before he started. And it really just got me thinking about where he is right now in this group of ultra elite players. Like, How do you see AD in terms of the step-up factor, so to speak, in, in coming through in these critical games? Well, I mean, if you look at his track record with the Lakers, um, when he has had a bad game in the playoffs, going you know going back to last year in the bubble, he every single time responded not just with a good game, but with a monster game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that 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 is his track record, and his playoff record, his playoff record with the Hornets, uh, or sorry, with the Pelicans, Jesus, um, was I know what limited. you meant. Well, it was limited, like, you know, it was a small sample size, but the numbers were bonkers. I mean, he, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, the reasons that New Orleans did not advance far in the playoffs uh, under his uh, stewardship, they were not Anthony Davis's fault. Right. And he did have that one series where they did advance. Right, exactly. But I'm just saying, like, generally speaking, the fact that the Pelicans didn't make much noise with AD there, you didn't point the finger at AD. Um, So I was pretty confident that he was going to be there unless health with him and you know these lingering mm-hmm. issues was more of a factor than you know we were aware of right now that he was fighting through more than say we know LeBron is right now we know that ankle is a thing for LeBron you know what we're being told right now with AD is that he is basically fine, fine. um what i think though is interesting with AD and some of what you're calling doubt i don't even know if it's so much doubt from laker fans as it is frustration just because Anthony Davis isn't 
I don't think he is seen as a consistent playoff force the way somebody like LeBron is or Kobe was or you know one of those type of greats. Mm-hmm. And what I think is what I think can be explanatory about that or maybe even comparative with AD is somebody like Gasol. And you know Pau Gasol it's great it's a great comp. Pau Gasol would get those type of either doubts or frustrations from fans even though on balance, his playoff track record with the Lakers was very strong. You know, Powell, though, had, and I think this is similar to AD, the type of personality where he's not seen as a killer mm-hmm. and he's in the beta role. He was seen as the beta, rightly, to Kobe, the way AD is seen, rightly, as the beta to LeBron, not just in terms of what they do on the court, but in their personalities as right. well. And I think those two things often come together to make it so players like AD or Pau are seen as ones that you can doubt more. Right, because like when there's such a like the 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 difference in the aesthetics when when AD is on versus when he is playing like he did in game 1 are astounding. Like Kobe when he had bad games in the playoffs, it's because he was 7 of 36 instead of 21 for 36. The 36 didn't change. You know, I mean, all that kind of stuff. He was always aggressive, always a killer, always that stuff. Sometimes the results weren't good. So you went into the next game, you know, assuming like there was a point in LeBron's career where I think people question if he has a bad game, is he going to have a bad one again following? We're way past that. He finally put those things to bed. I think KD is in that category of a guy you just sort of expect to have a good uh, uh, Lillard. I think people just expect to have good games. And if he has a bad one, you just figure the next good one is coming. I I don't think anybody, and I I think this is a testament to AD. I don't think anybody questions where you put Davis in the sort of list of great players in the NBA. You know, five, you know, he's, he's in that top six, seven, eight guys, I mean, whatever. Uh, what we're talking about here now, I think, with Davis is the opportunity to move into the most ultra elite in a way that's enduring um, for his career in, in a lot of significant... If, he, if the Lakers have another deep run and Davis is great throughout this playoffs, a couple bad games mixed in 14, 15, 16 really good ones... Some of these doubts, I think, go to go to bed, and all of a sudden, you start looking at Anthony Davis much more like you do LeBron or some of these other guys. I it, that to me is like the next thing that he's got like to prove. Like if he can take that step, he goes more towards LeBron than he does Powell. I just think it's a fascinating place for him to be, still working his way through. Uh, Even though he's got a title, by the way, and like Lillard doesn't. You know, I I was going to say, as our friend Darius uh, Soriano would say, yes and no. Mm. I I I didn't say it was fair. I just no, no, no. I think that's where a lot of the conversation is. No, but I'm saying I think you're partially wrong when I say yes and no. And the example I would give is Kobe with Shaq, Mm -hmm. because Kobe was super aggressive. You know, every single one of those title runs, he played extremely well. Every single one of those title runs between 2000 and 2002. And while Shaq may have been the number one option of that team, Kobe was likely the best 1A in, you know, if not league history, 
you know, unless I, I guess maybe it depends on how you think about Magic and Kareem, like early in their tenure. He but was real being, good. Right. Well, the point, no, but he was beyond right. real. That's what I'm saying. Good. Like I'm Kobe saying, was, I'm agreeing with you. Kobe, right. is, yeah, way up there. Right. He, he was, he played at the level of a number one superstar, mm-hmm. yet was still seen as the guy riding Shaq's coattails and still having something to prove because he was slotted next to Shaq. I mean, it's something I've talked about a lot for a lot of people. And I, I always said that I thought this was silly and ridiculous but for a lot of people Kobe had to win a fourth championship to win his first you know because there there was a there was a prove it element with Kobe for by virtue of being alongside Shaq that I think to some degree Anthony Davis will not be able to get past until he's either not playing with LeBron or he's playing at a level where it feels like ultimately LeBron on a game in game out basis doesn't control the action, doesn't control the game the way AD does. So, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing that I, I'd forgotten about. So basically what you're saying is he's not – if last year he crossed – Especially the, with AD's personality. Because Sure, you're right. Kobe's personality you know, was as alpha male as you could possibly have, even alongside Shaq, and there were still people that didn't buy it. So, so last year, what you're saying I – and mean, I, I think it's a great point. Last year, he, he crosses the – can you show up and 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 prove it when it matters? Because yeah. yeah, your Pelican series are cute, your numbers with them are cute, but no, you had no chance of winning, so it's easy. Can you stand up to the pressure of um of of being on a team that matters and showing up when it matters, which he did last year, and again he did it in game two, which I was so excited to see because I want to see guys succeed in that way. And like we talked about on Wednesday's show, I don't think yes, you know. Uh, I don't think Wednesday, I don't think Tuesday, game two was an easy game for him. It wasn't, it took effort to put up that line um, that he did. And it was, I I thought it really showed something. So if that happened last year, this year pushes him into, you know, the the playoff elite. It's still, he's still not going to be in that one-tenth of one percent until he does it without LeBron. I think I think for some people that's going to be there between LeBron's presence, Anthony Davis' personality, and still, you know, th- there's the perception of him as fragile and he missed half this season. Right. I think, you even, know, by it, the way, even if he, because I think we talked about, it, like, if LeBron, and go check out the numbers that we have on, on the YouTube uh, clip that we that we put together, LeBron's not getting to the rim. He's doing everything from the perimeter. His his offensive game right now is if it stays that way, Davis is going to have to be better than he was last year in the bubble, where he was really bleeping good for the Lakers to win another title. So even with that, there still could be I think stage I three, think, so to speak. I think it often can be hard for guys of that personality yeah, and that type of setup. It again, I'm not saying that it's necessarily correct. I'm just saying. This is a question of perception that mm-hmm. we're talking about right now. I think for somebody like AD, it may be difficult to break through. Hopefully, uh, he will prove me 100% wrong because that's best for the Lakers, best for AD, well, best for us having really, to avoid stupid more, conversations. Yeah, it's more people uh, to, yeah. think, to, to get there. And like, well, You know I, how I, I feel about I was, people, Brian. Yeah, I know. You don't like them. Nope. My wife my doesn't thing. like people either. Not my thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I expected him to have a good game on on. Tuesday and he did, but I did find the question to be 
fascinating because nobody would have asked it about LeBron if LeBron was terrible in game one. He was okay in game one. He wasn't great. Um, all right. So uh, Thursday night, Andy, game three at Staples Center, Staples Center. Fans will be in the building. First one of these since 2013. So many implications around that. We'll talk about it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it's impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new dealership anyway? That's stupid. Right, when you can just get it for far less at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on the market like the airlines do. You know <clears throat> This is something true, Brian. Lately, I've been re-watching The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'll often have it on my phone while I'm making dinner, you know, stuff like that, going through it again, revisiting. There is no difference between the airlines and the waste management company <laughs> that Tony Soprano ran. Exact same thing. Mm -hmm. They're both rackets. RockAuto.com, family business serving auto part customers. That's well, why online. I drive everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Again, unless the airlines want to sponsor this podcast. Right. They have everything Rock Auto from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's classic or a daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to RockAuto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So I'd like to welcome our new sponsor, Confederated Tugboats. <laughs> to the, to the show. It's been a long time since the Lakers hosted a home playoff game at Staples Center. It wasn't quite that far back, but it was 2013. Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago. And yeah. so it'll be 7,500 fans, give or take, at Staples Center on Thursday night. Um, but I think for the players who reacted incredibly well to having like 1,000 people in the building, 7,500 is going to feel like 75,000. Oh, and yeah. I, I have no doubts that it's going to feel like a real playoff game to these guys because they've been away from Lakers fans and Lakers fans have been away from them for so long. I, I don't exactly, it's hard to quantify exactly what it's going to do to them, but if you were looking for a way, I think, to get the, the team moving a little quicker, getting out and transition more, the, the, the cuts being a step faster, whatever it might be, putting people in the building and letting the Lakers play seems to be a great recipe for it because they've said for a while they miss that energy. I wouldn't be shocked, Brian. I mean, I'm not guaranteeing this, but I don't think it's impossible that you could see them actually even shoot better. Oh, guarantee just, it, you just, coward. Just being able... Just being fine i get i i guarantee it there it is oh god i just did a barkley which means it's not going to happen um that guy can't predict anything to save his life but i i actually think that you're going to see guys being able to feed off that and particularly to role players i think will benefit from having that type of energy directed towards them i mean those guys all said that seeing fans like that in game one against phoenix was jarring like mm -hmm. it, it was it kind of threw them for a loop. It's not the reason they lost the game, but it took some getting used to because they they have not played in like consistently in front of a crowd since before the shutdown because Staples Center has been a ghost town. So even when they've gone to some of these random arenas that did have people in it, it was never consistent. So right. th this is going to be something that I think they 
I think they're going to feed incredibly well off it. Yes. I mean, like, and if you're the Suns, now the challenge is the other, the, the opposite side of that. You know, that first quarter, you know, particularly depending on the health of Chris Paul and what, what he, what he's able to do. It doesn't um, sound good, by the way. He got put on the injury report. Yeah, they it doesn't. Not, they were not specific about it, but he had not been on it heading into game two. <laughs> they put Cliff Paul on the injury report. Uh, but it, I, it, my understanding is they're the same person. So, um, yeah, but like Phoenix is going to have the challenge of kind of weathering that energy for the first you know quarter or whatever it might be. And I'm just excited for the idea of you know, a, a close fourth quarter and that and that atmosphere that you get and really being something that feels like a regular playoff basketball game. And, you know, I, I think the, I, I think the Lakers are going to win game three. I think they're going to win the series in six. But, you know, it, it, it's it's moments like these that I think. For me personally, just like m- remind me, like we are closer to the end of this um thankfully in the US or certainly could be than we are to the beginning and i'm really excited to see what happens on thursday night yeah i've i've seen some fans on twitter um I, there was some reaction at cam brothers when uh, i tweeted out the nba or the lakers i, I guess announcement about there being 7500 fans in there that that's not really enough they were hoping that it would be more it felt underwhelming compared to some other arenas i get where people are coming from at the same time 7500 people Screaming defense, you're gonna hear that. That's enough. And again, it's it's 7,500 when you've had nobody basically, and it's gonna feel like 75,000. I mean, I'm not. It's it'll be fine. It's okay. I I I think it's gonna be really really awesome. Like I said earlier, Brian, I think Laker fans, especially ones living in L.A., the ones who've been able to go to games in the past during the playoffs, I think they recognize that they are starved for playoff success in their own building. Mm-hmm. But I'm not even sure they recognize just how starved they are. Forget the fact that last season, playoffs were in the bubble, so nobody in Staples Center, period. Forget that before that, six years without a playoff appearance. The last time the Lakers had a playoff game in Staples Center in 2013, like you mentioned, it was the second consecutive loss, the last game of the butt end of a sweep. Uh, they lost to the Spurs. No Kobe. He had torn his Achilles. No Steve Nash. Oh. Uh, hurt again. Dwight Howard ejected than yelling at Mitch Kupchak in the tunnel. I remember Kobe actually came out from inside the locker room onto the bench, I think just to give fans something to cheer about. So that's the last time they had a playoff game there. 2012, they had a seven-game series against Denver before eventually advancing. Then they lost 4-1 to to OKC. The lone loss was at Staples Center, but not a lot of great playoff action uh, heading into that, that was the year, Brian, by the way, that Meta World Peace, right before the playoffs began, threw that vicious elbow against James Harden. He got suspended for most of the opening series against Denver, which was in part why the thing went so long and the Lakers looked so uninspired. Uh, that was also, too, you'll remember this, and this was amazing. When Arte- when Meta, Artest, whatever you want to call him, got suspended, I remember there was after practice, Kobe got asked by a reporter, and this reporter was dead serious, and you know, like a live shot. Do you think he should be able to call himself Meta World Peace after throwing an elbow like that? Is that really world peace behavior? Kobe looks at him and goes, "Are you, are you seriously asking me this?" It was like one of the n- dumbest. I remember that it was one of the dumb. And I, we have endured. 
hell, we have we have been responsible for <laughs> some of the dumbest moments in <laughs> basketball media, like ever. Like a lot of it's our fault, and even and we could look at that and go, "Come on, he's like are you, that's his name. <laughs> like it, it's his name." Uh, then 2011, uh, they got swept. By the Mavs in the second round, losing both of those games at Staples, yeah. uh, the thing concluded, I believe, at uh, in that Dallas. In, where, I was there. Yeah, yeah where Andrew Bynum. Yeah, I, 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 it was only the two. Style. Only 2012 allowed me to uh, separate the the elimination slash ejection games. Um, so, <laughs> which I appreciated that 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 game four, game three of that series, and we'll, we'll move on after this game. We're about to talk about some interesting playoff memories. This is a bad one. Game three was one of the most fascinating games I have ever seen because Phil Jackson, rightly understanding that the Lakers lost that game, they're going to lose the series. I mean, and it was like, this was it. Phil Jackson was coaching his ass off. I think he stood up six times the entire year (laughs) up to to that point. And he was, he was. I mean, up and down the sidelines, screaming. This is the game that he punched Pow in the face, like <laughs> repeatedly, like six or seven times. I think it was. Um, it it was in the chest. He, he, he punched so people chest, know he was, he was like really like, poking Pow, like hard, and it was like once, chest. and it wasn't violent. But my way is better. But like Phil was, I'd never, I'd not seen him that animated. And this was game three because you know they said the right stuff afterwards. But I mean that that was just a, an amazing game to watch. Because you knew it was over, and like we had talked about, like there were so many things, um, and this is something maybe we'll talk about over the course of of the playoffs if things kind of go south for the Lakers. There, there were so many indicators that it was over that we chose not to really believe, in part because you just sort of assumed that they could fix it, um, and they never did. They could flip uh, the switch. Yeah. They could not. There was no switch. No, <laughs> switch. Man, I, or maybe there was, but it was like the telephone and Bowfinger when Steve Martin answers. It's just a cord that's not connected to anything. They had no idea where that switch was even located, much less <laughs> whether or not they could actually flip it. Yep. Um, all right. Let's let's get to this. The the anniversary of one of the great moments in Lakers history that came 19 years ago, Wednesday, and we'll discuss that one next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Always tons of sports action on the go. Um, get all the latest news, odds, info on your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as your teams are neck deep in the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, um, so let me tell you about, Andy, my day, because uh, Lock on Lakers podcast also brought to you by Built Bar. And my day is typically right now with the way this school schedule works. I got like piling the kids into school like half the day. I got to go out. I got to take the the, the my daughter to baby gym, come back, get the kids at school, all this stuff. I'm running around all day long trying to fit 
Locked on Lakers and all the other work that we do and all that stuff in between. I need food. I need stuff that keeps me going, but I don't want to be eating crap all day long. I need something healthy that tastes good, and that's Built Bar. It's high in protein, but it's low in sugar and low in calories. And the improved Built Bar, it's even more delicious than before. 18 flavors, including six new ones. And I love that Built Bar can also calm my sweet tooth. As you know, Andy, that is a problem with me. And it does it even without all this sugar because... All the built bars are coated in 100% real chocolate, unlike some protein bars. I don't know what that chocolate is, but it ain't chocolate. It's just paint. It's, it might be. It might be. Hey, they should go hang out with the airlines, I think. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Andy, where were you on May 26th, 2002, when Robert Ori destroyed, reached into the hearts of the Sacramento Kings and all their fans like that shaman in the Temple of Doom and ripped out their still-beating hearts? Where were you when that happened on May 26th, 2002? I was over at my friend's place. Uh, a bunch of them were living at this house on Sweetser Avenue, kind of near the Beverly Center, and... We were all over there. We basically watched that entire series over at their place. You know, we saw the Ori shot. We saw the game seven, the one that went into overtime. Like it was one that might be the greatest playoff series, other than maybe Boston 2010, that I can remember personally watching up close, really closely for mm -hmm. the Lakers. It, it was unbelievable. But I remember vividly standing up in their living room, you know, just tension building up till that final shot. And then just all of us running around like it, it was just amazing. It, I mean, just all of us were just out of our minds, screaming, clapping, high five and all of it. Probably pretty drunk, too. Probably. Probably. <laughs> I think there was one guy in the house that didn't drink, but anyway, right. Um, he was stoned. I, so it's funny, like, you know, I, in 2002, I was not a huge NBA fan yet. I wasn't really following it. We, we were doing some, some, some stuff, I think light, <laughs> light, light sports work. Um, but I like, it, it is amazing to me the moments that as a sports fan kind of bleed into your head. Like I know where I was for point four. I was at the gym watching that game while on the treadmill and the the noise that ever I used to be able to do those sorts of things. Um, and the noise that everybody made inside this this room where, you know, this is back in the day when there's like one TV over in the corner that everybody is staring at. And so, you know, in it like moments like that. I've been, we've been really fortunate. Like most of the stuff that's happened in LA, certainly around the Lakers, where you'd say since then, like, where were you when blank happened? A lot of it, we were there. Where were you when 81 happened? We were there, you know, covering it for the LA Times. Where were you when, you know, the Lakers won in 2010? We were there covering it for ESPN. Um, you know, Kobe's 60th game, same deal. Or 60 point game in his final game. Like, those things get seared into your brain, which is hard to do, I think, for the Lakers because they're, you know, there's a lot of them. Like you get there's a there's a high bar to clear before you can be in the where were you when club for Lakers moments in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you there's a lot to keep track of. I mean, there's a lot of institutional memory. Like you said, a lot of this stuff gets seared in. Like one of the things I remember with the Ori shop beyond just 
how excited all my friends and I were because we're all really huge Laker fans was how incredibly cool Ori looked making the shot, mm-hmm. how cool he looked after, you know, when he was doing that celebration with both arms behind his back, yep. sort of like, you know, kind of somewhere between like jumping and strutting and like everybody just swarming Robert Ori and the look on his face just, yeah, this is what I do. And mm-hmm. remember after, remember afterwards, Vladi Divots uh, said that it was a lucky shot, and Ori was told about that comment, and he said, "You know, this is what I've been doing my whole career. Like that guy better get a newspaper or something. Like he better read up." Mm-hmm. And just like the the back and forth there, but oh, it was so like, good! It was but so Ori, good. Though, Ori just had this history of not just big shots, but looking incredibly cool, like. He was the Steve McQueen of like great shots. You know, like if if Frank Vogel was the coach of that team, he would have noted that Ori's impact is in swag. Oh <laughs> in yeah, same, in the same way that he talked about that with Rondo last year. It's it's there's it was a different era of that back. And like, can you imagine what Twitter would have done in that moment? It would have broken the internet. I think. Well, like, you know what? Here's here's what it would have been the equivalent of. Damian Lillard's two walk-off shots, mm-hmm. like like the bye-bye to Oklahoma City, the shot against Houston, like it would have been those because those both happened in the social media era, and those basically did break Twitter. Like it was that type it was, of shot. Oh, and like you talk about the posture and all that stuff, it was so cool. And that you know, and it's funny, like Vlade was correct in one respect about that being a lucky shot. It was lucky that the ball ended up in Ori's hands, not just like that he was there, but that it was almost like it was passed to him like by magic himself, like it bounced perfectly up. He could catch it in rhythm and shoot and all that stuff. Like that part of it was lucky. The fact that the thing went in, no, that was just Robert Ori. Yeah, I mean, I remember that era, you know, because they won three straight championships, you know, they went to four, you know, finals in five years. Like, there is a lot Mm -hmm. that I I have, you know, especially as somebody who's been a big Laker fan for a long time, like, I've got a lot of specific memories to that. Like, when they won the 2000 title, the first of the three-peats, I was bartending at the now-defunct Westwood Brewing Company um, in Westwood Village, big UCLA bar. That was the most money I had ever made <laughs> on a non-weekend or non-Thursday. Like it was on the schedule, just like a random Monday night. I made like five or six hundred bucks on a Monday night, you know, in a in a college town. Like, right. you know, it's you know, the the tipping not exactly was, the biggest tippers. In well, the world. it depends. It depends. Right. Some of the students who had their kid uh parents' credit cards. They they tip like you know drunken proverbial drunken <laughs> sailors yeah um, <laughs> I remember this is not a joke the moment I realized I needed to quit that place because I was there for about six years and in part because the money was really really good I could afford to work there like three days a week max and and you know I was in my like twenties you know maybe even maybe early thirties but I was fine much lower uh, cost of living then. There was this girl that came up to me that was around their graduation time and invited me to her family graduation brunch because she said I'd been such a big part of her college experience. I was like, I got to get the bleep out of here. I got to go. Not my professors, <laughs> that, not my my advisors. Whatever. No. The guy at the Bruco 
I, I was like, first of all, if I actually show up to this brunch, her father's going to murder me and with good cause. Mm-hmm. Like I would kill me if I showed up to that thing. But I was just like, I got to go. But I mean, I remember that night just being absolutely packed. I remember the series before that, uh, the game seven against Portland in the Western Conference Finals. I'd been working during part of that, got off my shift. And from there, I was just at the bar having beers, but just pacing up and down because that's that game was so incredibly intense like mm-hmm. those specific memories you know and and the, the the vivid images of where i was during that they're gonna stay with me forever i point point four i was bartending at a different place wasn't even a sports bar the shot went down i did like a big ass lap mm-hmm. around the entire restaurant not really the clientele for that didn't care thinking <laughs> totally thinking didn't just care. like again like you go back to what i mentioned before like you think about these sort of communal moments with a bunch of people together in a in a single space and it they seem so weird right now yeah um right. and and my hope is that we are reaching a point where it just won't seem so strange uh hopefully to the lakers andy hopefully they make some special memories yeah thursday night um i'd like to see a long, another long playoff run for yeah. all kinds of reasons. Absolutely. Um, all right. So again, check out uh, Locked on Lakers on YouTube for some ex- exclusive content there. Not just the stuff you get on the podcast, but some other stuff. We got, you know, I mentioned the thing about LeBron, uh, Kyle Goon previewing game three. That'll be up there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, subscribe to Locked on Lakers wherever you get your podcasts. What else is there, Andy? Anything else we're supposed to I think to say? we covered it all. All right. We'll see everybody with some game three analysis on Friday.